Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. But today, I could not be more excited to be talking about the legend, the legend that is Samore Touré. All right, so being obviously a little bit facetious here, Samore Touré has done nothing to uh, warrant any sort of legendary status at any point in his college or NFL career. But you wouldn't necessarily know that by listening to the coach, the GM, his wide receiver coach this offseason and bringing up Samore Toure basically anytime they get the chance whatsoever. And I know what some of you might be thinking immediately when I say that. Andy, let's rewind to a year ago. And a year ago, the player that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst kept bringing up unprompted was... Tyler Davis, the tight end, who had a very uh, you know big struggle in the preseason at the tight end position and did a whole lot of nothing through the course of the regular season. So yes, there can be this legendary status in April and May that doesn't necessarily turn out to anything in September through January. That can happen from time to time. But still, the amount that Tamari Toure is being brought up by his GM, his coach, his position coach, etc., has been fairly noticeable. And this was a player that caught my eye going back to last year when they drafted him in the seventh round, and I went and did my deep dive of him uh, immediately after the draft. This was a player that caught my eye in mini camps and OTAs a season ago. This is a player that, when he was given an opportunity on the field, went out and made the most of it, you know, when he had those very limited opportunities even in season a year ago as well. So there has been a ton of buzz on Samori Toure. I want to break all of that down today. I want to go back to some of my scouting notes from a year ago and what I thought he could bring to the table and how that's transitioned a little bit, what he still needs to work on, etc. Because I do believe that Samori Toure has the ability to make a fairly significant impact on this team in 2023 and beyond. And he's going to be given every opportunity to earn legitimate playing time this upcoming season. So the reason that this has you know, garnered a little bit more interest as of late is because of his wide receiver coach. So Jason Vrabel, 
uh, did the you know interviews with the media in a press conference. Uh, what was it? Probably about a week ago now. And he said, you know, quote, you wouldn't even recognize the guy compared to last year. 83 looks unbelievable. He put on 10 pounds. He worked his butt off. So that was Jason Vrabel on Samore Toure. But even above and beyond that, I want to go back to November 18th of last year when Matt LaFleur said, Samore Toure is another guy that we've got to rotate into the mix more. So even going back to midseason last year, Matt LaFleur was already talking about, we've got to get Samore Toure out on the field. And then the bigger thing here is in his, in both of their uh, end of season press conferences, meaning Brian Gutekunst and Matt Matt LaFleur, and then another press conference by Brian Gutekunst, and one more recently from Matt LaFleur, the player who was brought up unprompted when asked about the wide receiver position or even discussing wide receivers, basically any opportunity they got to bring up Samore Toure, they brought him up. And that was the player they continued to bring up over and over and over. They would be asked about Christian Watson or, some, or uh, Romeo Dobbs. And guess who gets brought up? Samore Toure. They'd be asked about bringing in a veteran wide receiver. Guess who gets brought up? Samore Toure. They'd get asked about the depth at the position and who can be you know, the leaders of the group. Guess who gets brought up? Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samore Toure. Over and over and over and over again. And it's one thing if Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekinds are asked, hey, what do you think Samore Toure is going to be able to bring to the team this year? Or, you know, how big of a jump has Samore made this offseason or anything like that? That is one thing. But when you're asking about other players or the wide receiver position as a whole or bringing in veterans at the position and the player that continuously gets brought up over and over and over is Samore Toure, that is noteworthy. Unprompted is a totally different story than if he's brought up prompted. And yes, as I mentioned, Tyler Davis, this happened with a season ago and it ended up being much ado about nothing, but I do think there is a little bit of a different level here. I don't think Tyler Davis was ever really set up. I know there was a question last year of whether you know Davis was going to be tight end one until Tunyon came back and you know there was then there was basically a logjam, right? Tunyon got back to being tight end number one. Lewis was tight end number two. DeGuara was the H-back fullback and that really left Tyler Davis at that number four position, which just didn't result in much playing time. He was a special teams guy etc. It just never amounted to much in large part because I don't think Tyler Davis really held up his end of the bargain. I don't think he took the step that he needed to take. And the other thing is just, I, I think the numbers game sort of ended up working itself out that he was number four on the depth chart. And ultimately that just doesn't get him much playing time on the field. So I think that is that piece of it. And I think this is a cautionary tale here as well, where job not done for Samore Toure. It's great to get brought up. It's great to be on top of mind for your GM coach and your wide receiver coach. It's that's a great thing, but job is not done. You have a ton of work to do. Samari Toure has to be the one that goes out and grabs the bull by the horns and says, this is my job. Nobody else is taking it. And I'm going to go out and make an impact week in and week out to the point where you're not going to be able to take me off the field. But we've already seen some very good signs that he is ready to do exactly that this offseason. Now, going back to last year, before we get to that, Torrey played in 11 games last year. He technically started two of them. It's not like he was ever a starting caliber player, but technically he was on the field on the first snap for two of those games. Ended up with 10 targets, five catches, 82 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, and that one long touchdown uh, that he had, I believe was in the Bills game, right? So 
This was a player that didn't get a ton of time, but in his 10 targets, ended up with 82 yards, 16.4 yards per catch and a touchdown. So that you like to see some of those flashes. And I think the big number there is the 16.4 yards per reception, because that is something that stood out both at his you know, um, Montana tape, as well as his Nebraska tape, is he had the ability to create those explosive plays and to have that high yards per reception. And that is something that Green Bay continues to need and develop is the playmaking ability. And the hope is that Christian Watson's going to bring that, that Jaden Reed's going to bring that. But I think Samore Toure can absolutely be a piece of that as well. Hopefully with more opportunity in 2023, he will be able to continue that 16.4 yards or around their yards per reception. If all of a sudden that amounts to, you know, 30, 40 catches, that's a lot of playmaking that comes with 16.4 yards per catch. So very small sample size, very limited opportunity a season ago, but I would argue that with those limited opportunities, he did make the most of it and show that he was capable of making some of those explosive plays in the NFL. Now he was a seventh round pick a season ago. In fact, not only was he a seventh round pick, he was their last seventh round pick, which usually doesn't mean much, but they had four of them a season ago. In fact, one of my biggest critiques of last year's draft is that they waited until their last seventh round pick to grab this guy after I watched him. I'm like, how did you possibly have Jonathan Ford and Tariq Carpenter and you know their entire seventh round draft class ahead of Samori Toure? That really surprised me after watching him. He was my favorite of their seventh round picks by far. That being said, uh, you know, he still have a, a ways to go as a NFL player. And it didn't really matter if they took him in the, the first, you know, the seventh round pick or the last seventh round pick, they got their guy at the end of the day. So maybe they felt like Jonathan Ford was going to go off the board and they felt like they could get Toure later. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter much. He's on the Packers and that's what ultimately matters. But that was one of my, the craziest, you know, things as I went through all the draft picks a season ago is I was shocked that they waited until their last pick to take some Toure. It was easily my favorite of the seventh round picks. And I'll go back to my scouting notes from a season ago. So if you don't remember my breakdown from over a year ago, I'll just do a Cliff Notes version of it. But some of the strengths that I thought he had coming out of college, I love the the, the fact that he had the ability to play multiple wide receiver positions. Now that's going to become a little bit of a question mark as well. You know, at Montana, he played primarily on the outside at wide receiver. At Nebraska, he played primarily in the slot. We saw him line up more in the slot in Green Bay, and I think that's ultimately going to be where Green Bay probably prefers him. But I love the fact that coming out of college, he did play outside. He did play in the slot. They could move him around a little bit. That's something that's super important in Matt LaFleur's offense that you can play left side, right side, slot, outside. Doesn't matter. You can line up in a variety of different places. That's just going to give you more opportunities. He showed that in his college career that he was capable of playing at multiple positions. I do think that he has some gadget ability. So if you're lining up in the slot a lot, you want to be able to have some of that end around and just sort of, you know, quick screen and the ability to run after the catch a little bit. I don't think that that is ultimately, you know, what his super strength is. I don't think you're going to see him be this dynamic playmaker in the open field, but he can do some of it. And I think that's an important distinction because there have been players like we've seen Alan Lazard get end arounds and jet sweeps and reverses. And that's just not a great use of Alan Lazard's ability, right? So we have seen players that have been put in that position that just haven't been able to do that. Like I said, I don't think it's Samori Toure's super skill, but I do think he's more than capable of doing it. Ultimately, I loved his deep ball ability and his playmaking ability. We mentioned those yards per reception. There were multiple huge plays on tape at both Montana and at Nebraska and plays that he was consistently making down the field. He's a 4-4-40 guy. He's got great speed, but he wins with nuance in his routes as well. And when you can create 
a player with route running and nuance and pacing and 4-4-40 speed, that's when you can start getting some of those big plays down the field. And that's what Samari Toure showcased at the college level. Speaking of which, he led the Big Ten in his one season in the Big Ten in yards per catch. So that just goes to show you, this wasn't just a player who tore it up at Montana and then made the transition to the Big Ten and struggled. He came to the Big Ten, led the league in yards per reception. He's been good wherever he has been in his career so far. I love the fact that he can accelerate through the catch point. If you want to be a deep ball playmaking wide receiver, you better be able to accelerate through the catch point. He showed that in college. He was an effort blocker, not a great blocker, but he showed the effort and the willingness, which is half the battle. His route running and releases were above average and something that I thought he could really build off of. He showed that in OTAs, mini camps, training camps a season ago. It's a huge reason I think he ultimately made the 53. And it's a big reason why I think his coaches are really optimistic about what he can bring to the table in 2023. I love the fact that he used pacing within his routes. So this is something I talk about all the time. If all you've got is that MVS speed, right? That That is helpful. Like 4-3-40 speed is extremely helpful. And again, Toure is 4-4-40, but that's great. But if you can show nuance within that, if you can throttle down, if you can change your pacing, that's what's really going to give corners trouble. It's like a a pitcher in baseball. It's great to have a hundred mile an hour fastball, but if that's all you have, it's going to make things more difficult. No question. Everyone would love the hundred mile an hour fastball, but if now all of a sudden you have a dynamic 90 mile an hour changeup and maybe a you know slider or something like that, now all of a sudden your hundred mile per hour fastball is just unhittable at that point because you're looking for every other pitch and it just becomes a nightmare to deal with. So if you can win with nuance and pacing and you can win without having to use that four four forty speed because you know how to set up corners and you can win, you can get to space, you can separate. Now, all of a sudden, when you do that, and maybe you give a double move and maybe you're you know, using your throttle down pace as you go through an out route, and then all of a sudden you turn it up and bam, that 4-4-40 speed hits. Now it hits different. And now the corner wasn't expecting it. And now they have to rush to catch up. And that is when you become a really good playmaker. I thought Jordy Nelson always did a phenomenal job of that with his pacing. And he would catch players off guards. And all of a sudden, he would show off that that sneaky speed, that sneaky athleticism of Jordy Nelson. And all of a sudden, he would be gone. And it would be something that would be very noticeable. And I think Samori Toure has a little bit of that as well, but specifically winning with that pacing. He uses his eyes and his body with head fakes and moves and stutters. He uses great subtlety within his routes, which is huge. He has separation ability, some smoothness to his route running, which again, are all things that you love to see. I talk about all the time. You want artists at the wide receiver position. It's not, it, it, you can have your Kelvin Johnson, who also was an artist at times as well, but you can have your, you know, four, three, 40, six, five guy that can just go out, out muscle you and out jump you. If you have that guy, that's awesome. But this is the, the era of separation at wide receiver. If you have guys that can win with just great pacing, route running, separation, releases off the line of scrimmage, that's where you can get the wide open wide receivers that have those two or three yards of separation. You don't have to become a contested catch wide receiver. You don't have to be throwing into coverage. Those are the route runners that we're seeing have a tremendous amount of success in the NFL. doesn't always take a 4-4-40. Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, great examples of that. If you can you become a true artist at the position, you can get open in the NFL. And I saw some of that coming out of college with Samari Toure. I compared him to a poor man's Chris Olave. Chris Olave was in the same draft. Olave went in the first round. I compared him to that, and but a seventh round version, to be very clear. So I think he has a lot of the route running, a lot of the pacing, a lot of the speed. Olave just was better at it. He was a more physically gifted player and he played at Ohio State throughout his career and made a lot of huge plays and a lot of huge catches and a lot of huge situations. But if you take sort of the 
B minus version of that and put them at Montana and Nebraska instead of Ohio State with a little less athletic ability and just not quite as good. To me, that was, you know, that was Samori Toure. So Chris Olave goes, what, top 12, I want to say, to the Saints? Samori Toure goes late seventh round. And you know, yes, I'm not saying I, I would much rather have Chris Olave as in the first round than Samori Toure in the seventh round. Chris Olave is a phenomenal player. But my point being here is if you can get sort of a B minus version of that in the seventh round, I think you did a really great job. And I think that what that's kind of what Samori Toure can be. And hopefully you can take even another step because he is a, a gifted player. He does have some real true skill to his game as well. And I'm hoping that can continue to develop as he gets into his sophomore year in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. He attacks corners with pace, which I love. It is not just, you know, if you've got that that wide receiver that just sort of throttles everything down and doesn't run right at the uh, at the corner, you're just going to limit your ability to really make plays and be the, the player that separates with pacing. You've got to attack corners with speed. And Samori Toure did that at Montana and at Nebraska, which is why he had such a great yards per reception. Late hands, plucks the ball out of the air very easily. He has some run after the catch ability. He showed some jukes, some spin moves. He's got great ankle flexion in and out of his routes. He played well wherever he's gone, Montana, Nebraska, even Green Bay in limited action a season ago. And going back to his first mini camps a season ago, there was a specific 
like they did like a two minute drill. And I think this was at a mini camp. I, it could have been an OTA. It doesn't really matter ultimately, but there's a two minute drill. Jordan loves that quarterback and they've got, I think they got Dobbs and, and, and Toure and I forget who else is out there, but two minute drill, it starts way back on their own side of the field. Torrey has three catches on the drive and, and continues to extend the play. He, he may have got in on the final like touchdown, but they marked him dead at the one yard line because there wasn't live tackling. I think in a real situation, he would have gotten in because I don't think they would have stopped his momentum, but it's basically like two hand touch at that point. So they stopped him at the one, but he would have had probably three catches for, I want to say like 60 yards and a touchdown had that been live. Uh, you know, So he showed from a very early moment in, in OTAs and minicamps a season ago that he could be a target that was going, you know, that that was able to get open and they could go to in some pressure situations. So hopefully with more playing time, that's something that's going to be able to carry over as well. Now, if you're wondering what his weaknesses were, I was also sort of wondering that as watching his tape a season ago. The biggest thing was his contested catchability. He really struggled. It was one of the worst that, you know, statistically we've seen in contested catch situations. So that's something he needs to be much better at. The physical aspect of the game, he only had seven bench reps at the combine uh, two seasons ago or two years ago when he did the, the testing. So that was something that he needed to figure out is just putting on more functional strength. Speaking of which, broken tackles were not his forte. He, um, struggled with press coverage off the line of scrimmage, going back to that, you know, functional strength and physicality. The question mark is going to be, is he a slot only wide receiver if he can't play on the outside because he can't get off of that, you know, press man coverage or just loses some of those physical battles on the outside. That's going to limit his ultimate upside. He played almost zero special teams in college. And last year in 2023, in the games that he was active for, he played a total of two special team snaps. So he has to figure out a way to find his niche on special teams as well. So some of the, you know, can he be more than just a slot receiver? Can he be that playmaking guy? Can he get off a press cover? Can he put on functional strength? And can he be a special teams guy? Those are still the questions that he's going to have to answer going into 2023. So that, those are my scouting notes. I figured I'd go through uh, Dane Brugler's uh, scouting notes as well from last year's draft. So uh, this is what uh, Dane Brugler last year had to say about Samari Tour. I know, you know, reading on camera isn't always the, the greatest aesthetic, but we're going to do it anyway. So uh, after the 2020 season was postponed, he transferred to Nebraska in January 2021 for his final season and led the Huskers in receiving, including two 70-plus yard catches. Only Alabama's Jameson Williams had more. Turi is a salesman in his routes with pacing and controlled feet to create pockets of separation at the stem. He caught the ball well on Nebraska's tape with the focus to track without slowing the, his momentum. That's why I talk about acceleration through the catch point. However, he needs to improve his balance through contact and in the open field to shed tacklers. Overall, Toure struggles with physical press coverage and crowded catch points, but he has explosive route speed to earn a spot on an NFL depth chart. He ultimately gave him a priority free agent grade, but of course we know Toure went in the seventh round. So the huge thing that I think we've seen so far and what Jason Vrabel brought up and why this has caught a little bit of attention lately is he's done a lot of this work already. He's put on eight to 10 pounds. And listen, what Jason Vrabel is saying here is not that he's been eating Big Macs, right? He has put on eight to 10 pounds of muscle, of strength, of functional strength, which is exactly what he needed to do. And when we talked about, and I went through this the other day with the cliche second year jump, a huge part of that is having a whole NFL offseason and, and really going back to last season, a full year in an NFL weight room. 
and you have the ability to, you know, really prepare yourself as a professional, go through a full season of off-season activities, put on that functional strength. And that's exactly what Samori Toure took advantage of. And I think the big thing here is it shows A, he cares, and B, he is willing to put in that work. And C, he really recognized that that was probably one of the weaknesses of his game. He was fast. He's a good route runner. He plucks the ball in the air, catches the ball well, but he's not very physical. Can he get off of press coverage? Can he block better? Can he play some special teams? Those are things that he's going to have to figure out if he actually wants to be active and see the field on game days. So what does he do? He goes out and puts eight to 10 pounds of muscle on, and that's going to hopefully help him to get off of press coverage. It's going to hopefully help him on special teams to break tackles, to play more than just a slot receiver role in the NFL. Those are all things that should help him tremendously this upcoming season. I think the remaining big question is, can he find that role on special teams? Because we know how important it is. If you want to be active on game day, you're going to have to find a role. Can he and Rich Basaccia figure out something that he can have a functional role in this 2023 special teams? Now, to be fair to Samore, this is not going to be as big of an issue if he's one of the top three-ish wide receivers. Like it's the number four, number five wide receivers that really need to have that role on special teams. And it's possible that maybe a guy like Romeo Dobbs or a Jaden Reed or a, you know, uh, Dontavian Wicks or a Grant DuBose, maybe they're the guy that plays a ton at special teams, but somebody at wide receiver is going to have to show some real special teams value. And ideally, if it's, you know, somebody that you want to see, you know, be active on game days, like a Samari Toure, ideally for him, that it's him that he can find that role. So if he could end up, you know, being a, a gunner on, on special teams or a kick coverage guy, anything like that would add to his value so much. I don't think he's really going to get too much in, into the return situation. I just think they have better returners on the roster right now and Keyshawn Nixon and Jaden Reed. So he's going to have to figure out a path in another way. If he can find that, that's going to add to his value a ton and give him more opportunities to be active on game day. If all of a sudden, you know, Jaden Reed and Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs become the top three wide receivers that, you know, that Jordan Love is targeting and that are out on the field the most, then the number four and five guys that are active need to really be able to help out on special teams. So that is going to be huge, huge, huge for Toure. The big thing also here is Christian Watson's going to be wide receiver one. There is zero question about that. Christian Watson's wide receiver one. After that, two through six are entirely up for grabs. Now, there's a difference in my opinion where like Romeo Dobbs isn't fighting for his roster spot. Romeo Dobbs is going to make the roster, but so is Jaden Reed. I would argue very much so is Samori Toure at this point. Dontavian Wicks probably isn't going anywhere. That number six, maybe Grant DuBose, maybe one of the undrafted guys, maybe a Bo Melton gets involved, but probably the top five guys probably have their jobs safe and secure. However, after that number one spot, the next spots and the next playing time, totally up for grabs. Romeo probably has the best chance, followed by Jaden Reed, followed by Toure, followed by Wicks, followed by DuBose, followed by everyone after that. But if any of these guys go out and really grab the bull by the horns and take this job, number two snaps are open. Romeo Dobbs hasn't earned anything yet as the true number two. And if all of a sudden Toure is awesome and he's the guy, then yeah, you put Toure out there at number two. Jaden Reed can get involved there. So can Wick, so can DuBose. Any of these guys can go out and take that spot. Like I said, Christian Watson's wide receiver one. I would expect Dobbs to be two. I would expect Reed probably to be three. I think Toure is four. I think Wicks is five. I think DuBose is probably six. I think that's probably how it's going to slot out, but that's not guaranteed. Any of these guys can go out and grab those snaps that are available to them. And I think Toure is already putting in that work and showing that he's going to do everything in his, in his power to grab every possible snap that is available to him. And I'll say it one more time. It's one thing to be a cult hero 
in April and May and June. It's another to do it in September, October, November, December, January, maybe even February. Uh, it's another to do it at that level. That's the jump that Samori has to take. We talk about a second year jump. It's there. It's available. He's put in the work. His coaches, his GM, his positional coach seem to love him, seem to have a lot of faith in him. They've been talking about him nonstop. Now it is up to Samori Toure to really go out and show this isn't just a April, May thing. This is going to be something that I do on an everyday basis, going out there week to week, day to day in practice and show that he is that guy and he can become that next big guy that comes out of nowhere and becomes a big time Green Bay Packer. We've seen guys like Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, Colin Jenkins, Matt Hasselbeck, KGB, Aaron Campman, Donald Driver, etc., who really went from a late round or undrafted or street free agent, you know, nobody to a huge big time player, either in Green Bay or in Matt Hasselbeck's, uh, you know, situation where he ultimately happened in Seattle. But we've seen those guys take major jumps in Green Bay. And I think Toure has the ability to be that guy, but he still has a lot of work to do. So no, Samori Toure, not a legend yet, at least not when it matters. Maybe a little bit of a cult hero here in April and May, but still a long way to go before becoming a quote unquote legend in the regular season and beyond. He has every opportunity at his disposal. He's clearly putting the work in. I think he has the ability to go and grab that brass ring and show that he can be a big time player in Green Bay. Now it is up to him, but that's just another reason why this off season and this upcoming season is going to be so incredibly fun to watch is because this roster is littered with players like Samori Toure with so much opportunity available to him. And it's going to be so fun to see which ones climb the ladder and take that spot and which ones fall flat on their face and end up out of Green Bay in the next couple seasons. So much opportunity, so much you know, just raw talent and skill and really fun players that are on this roster. Toure is one of them, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do in 2023. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!